Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, King Jesus. Man, just those two sentences alone get me ready for Christmas. I don't know about you. Wow, that's a beautiful song. Thank you. In 2015, May of 2015, Forbes magazine produced an article called The Most Powerful Women in the World. And they identified ten women that uh, were the most powerful in the world. Angela Merkel was the, at that time the Chancellor of Germany. Another woman was the Chancellor or the President of Brazil. And uh, here's a list of the women that were identified. How's that, how's that font size back there? Just help us out for future reference. Too small in the back? Okay, got to be bigger than 36. So, here's Angela Merkel, Chancellor of Germany, Hillary Clinton, Melinda Gates... Uh, known for philanthropy, along with her husband, Bill Gates, uh, founder of what company? Microsoft. There you go. At that time, Janet Yellen was the chair of the board of directors of the Federal Reserve and has now moved up. She's the secretary of treasury for President Biden. Uh, Mary Barra is still the CEO at GM, a car manufacturer with a woman as a GM. There's a huge message there, right? Uh, Christine Lagarde at that time was the managing director of the International Monetary Fund, and uh, she's now the leader and president of the Central European Central Bank is her role now. Uh, Cheryl Sandberg is the chief operating officer at Facebook. Uh, Susan Wysicki at that time, CEO of YouTube, I think still is, and Michelle, Michelle Obama, the 10 most powerful women in the world, May 2015. Seven months later, in December of 2015, uh, National Geographic had this picture on the cover and identified Mary, the mother of Jesus, as the most powerful woman in the world. And you would think, that's an interesting designation, the most powerful woman in the world. Well, you may not be aware of the fact that there are more than 2,000 reported appearances of Mary since the first century. And in fact, uh, there are many healings attributed to Mary in the last 2,000 years. Along with those appearances, healings and miracles, there are shrines around the world to Mary that attract millions of tourists, bringing in billions of tourist dollars. And so Mary is designated as the most powerful woman in the world. And I want to suggest to you this morning, if Mary were aware that that was her designation today, she would, one, be embarrassed and probably very angry. Because what I want you to identify this morning is that we should not think of Mary as the most powerful woman in the world. But as we come to the Scriptures, Mary becomes for me a model and example of what it means to render humble, obedient service to King Jesus. That's what singles her out, not because she's powerful and draws billions of tourist dollars. How would you respond if you glanced out the front window of your home and saw a long black limousine pull up and park in front of your house, all the windows darkly tinted, the doors open and Four men get out dressed in black suits and sunglasses. And uh, they come to your front door and knock on the door and you answer the door. 
And the leader of this group says to you, I am the special ambassador of President Joseph Biden. We've come to invite you to ask you to participate in a very special assignment. How would you respond to that? Me? Man, I'm impressed with me. And that, to me, that, that's kind of in a simple picture what Mary experienced when we open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. You're familiar with the story. None of this is new. But there's a long portion of Scripture that I wish to read. And in this long portion of Scripture, beginning in the 26th verse of Luke chapter 1, we find three kind of separate events in Mary's life. The second two are tightly connected, but three separate events. The first is the, the angel, her experience in conversation with the angel that the Lord sends to tell her about her assignment, her mission. The second piece that we want to look at is then Mary's encounter with her cousin Elizabeth and the conversation they have. And then thirdly, we want to take a brief look at what's often called the Magnificat, the song that Mary sang in response to her conversation with Elizabeth. And so I want to read all of these verses and then come back and look at these three separate events. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. For he'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose and went to, in a hurry to the hill country, and to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And now has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is the one who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said a song. My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
And His mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. And so I want you to notice with me, first of all, Mary's experience with this angel, Angel Gabriel. Gabriel, by the way, if you read the paragraph before, or if you're familiar with the paragraph before, Gabriel has just six months ago visited Zacharias, serving as a priest in the tabernacle, and announced to him that he and his aged wife were going to have a baby, right? And now here we are six months later, and Gabriel comes to Mary. And he says to her what? Favored one. You're the favored one. Have you ever ever had one of your children ask you which one was favorite? Yeah, my, my daughter is, I think, long been under the mistaken impression that we have a favorite. Um, I often joke with people about their grandchildren. You know, which of your grandchildren thinks they're the favorite? All the hands are in the air, right? And so this angel says to Mary, you're, you're the favored one. And that, that word has its base in our word grace. You're the, you're the graced one. And I've put in your sermon notes some of the other translations, how they express it, to be highly favored. Um, Mary is addressed by the angel as a favored one and makes this announcement that she's going to have a child. And you're familiar with the story as as you read this account. Um, The thing that struck me as I think about the word favored What did Mary experience as a result of being a single, unmarried, betrothed person, woman, who is now pregnant? Did people look at her as someone who was favored? I don't think so. I think she stepped into an arena of uh, embarrassment, shame, um, disappointment. What was her expectation at this moment? Did she expect Joseph to go along with this idea? I don't think that was her initial response. I think her initial response was, oh no. (laughs) And and I wonder at times if her response might not have been a little bit like Tevia in the movie Fiddler on the Roof. I love that movie. And there's a a scene in the movie there where Tevia says to, to God, Lord, I know we're your chosen people, but sometimes couldn't you just choose somebody else? And I I just wonder if if maybe Mary felt a little bit that way, favored. You're the favored one. And so the the angel comes and makes this statement to her. She's favored and she's going to have a child. And... Mary's surprise at what the angel says is no surprise to me. Because the angel says, uh, you're favored, the Lord is with you, and the text says she's very perplexed, wouldn't you be? And the angel goes on and says, not only have you found favor, but you're going to conceive and bear a son. He's going to be called the Great, the Son of the Most High. 
And Mary's surprised by all of this. I think she was overwhelmed by all of this. I think she was staggered by this message. Favored. Not so sure. This, is, this sounds like being favored. And it says that she pondered, perplexed. Mary was surprised. And yet what I love about Mary in the midst of this story, in the midst of this interchange with this angel, is at the end of this paragraph, this experience of conversation with the angel, she says these words. She says to him, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And so Mary models for me what it means to be a humble, obedient servant. For Mary, that first Christmas, if you will, was a time of submission and obedience. Submission to God's will, obedience to God's will. And so as I look at the life of Mary and I look at this experience, I'm struck. I'm struck with her willing submission to God's will. Oh, and by the way, how much of what was going to be yet future did she understand? Not much. How much did she understand about what the next 30 plus years were going to be like in her life? I don't think she knew much. We have a song we sing that uh, Mark Lowry has written. It's a beautiful song. And uh, that song says, Mary, did you know? By the way, guys, Tuesday night we're going to answer that question and uh, talk about what did Mary know and when did she know it? Mary didn't know a whole lot about the future. She had some clues from what the angel told her, right? And yet her response to the angel, to this messenger, was what? I'm in. Yes. Mary said yes without knowing what was coming. I think sometimes we struggle with that a little bit in our lives. To say yes before we know what's coming. Here's a song we used to sing. I think it was in the 80s, if I remember right. Yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be, yes, Lord, yes. Has there ever been a time in your life where you said to the Lord whatever it is that you want me to do wherever it is you want me to go whoever it is you want me to speak to whatever it is I'm in with my whole heart I will agree I want to suggest you That sets you up for a really interesting journey in the years ahead. 
I think I was still in high school when the Lord and I had that conversation. I think it was even before we graduated high school, so probably before I was 18. I remember very well having a conversation with the Lord and telling Him, whenever you bring to me an opportunity to serve you in whatever way, any time, any place, my first answer will be yes until you persuade me otherwise. My first answer will always be yes. That was Mary. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done unto me just as you've said. So the scripture goes on and tells us that Mary now goes from her hometown of Nazareth to where Elizabeth lives. And the text only tells us it's in Judah. Galilee's up here by the Sea of Galilee, right? Judah is down below. And oh, by the way, her husband was a priest serving in the temple, and the temple was in Jerusalem. So Mary's traveled already. Now, when Jesus was born, they had to leave Nazareth and go just a little bit further to Bethlehem. But she's now traveled down to have conversation with her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. I'm not sure Mary knows that Elizabeth is pregnant because of that geographical distance. I could be wrong, but as I read this text, I kind of wonder. And so Mary leaves Nazareth to go visit with her cousin Elizabeth. Why did she do that? Well, the most common answer is she wanted to get out of Dodge because she's pregnant and not married. I get that. But the angel said something to her that catches my interest. What does the angel say to Mary to persuade her that what he is telling her is truth? Well, he tells her two things. One, he says, with God, nothing is impossible. And then he drops on her a little piece of information, and that information is what? Your aged cousin Elizabeth is expecting. So I think, could be wrong, just, you know, Roy speculates sometimes. I think as Mary is pondering and considering what the angel has told her, she's going to see her cousin Elizabeth because she doesn't know if Elizabeth is pregnant or not. And she's going to go find out if she is pregnant. And if she is pregnant, what does Mary learn? Nothing is impossible with God. I think Mary went to see Elizabeth to kind of get confirmation that what the angel told her had validity. And so she goes and meets Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, When I saw you, the baby jumped inside of me. Like, that's weird, isn't it? Any of you women ever? Well, you've experienced babies moving. Never mind. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about that. We're not going to go down that road. And so Elizabeth knows two things that she expresses to Mary. The one is she knows that Mary is pregnant. And she comments on Mary's faith. 
And it's interesting to me that three times in this conversation with Elizabeth, you find the word blessed, at least in my translation. And the word blessed the first two times in Elizabeth's conversation is a word that would come right into our English language, eulogy. What is a eulogy? No, it's not what you think it is. I mean, it sort of is what you think it is. But the word eulogy, and the Greek word just comes straight across into English, letter for letter, is good word. So when you go to a funeral and someone gives a eulogy, they are giving a good word. And so Elizabeth uses this word eulogy, good word, of Mary. Blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Good word. So Mary has a good reputation. Mary has a good word. And Elizabeth identifies that. You're blessed and so is the fruit of your womb. The third time the word blessed is used is a different word in the original language. And it's a word that means not simply that idea of eulogy, a good word. It's the idea of joyful, happy, extremely blessed. And Elizabeth says of Mary, I'm in verse, what verse am I in? 45. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So here we are 2,000 years later, and when people talk about Mary being blessed, we talk about the first blessed, blessed are you, and the second blessed, blessed is the fruit of your womb, and I very seldom, maybe never, in conversation with people who uh, admire Mary, can I say worship Mary, There's never a reflection on the third blessed. She's blessed because why? She believed what the angel told her. And if you think with me for a minute, there was an angelic visit just the paragraph before I started reading. I've referred to it already. Gabriel visited Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And the angel told Zacharias as he was serving there in the temple that he and Elizabeth were going to have a son. And before that conversation ended, the angel informed Zacharias that he would be dumb and unable to speak until the son was born. Why did the angel say that to Zacharias? Because why? He did not believe what the angel told him. And so to me, there's this stark contrast between Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He did not believe what the angel told him. Mary did. Now, when you compare the two... Here's Zacharias, a priest, a godly man, Elizabeth, a godly wife, serving in the temple. If anybody should have believed, 
He should have believed. And by the way, he and Elizabeth were married, so having a son wasn't going to be an issue of shame and disgrace, right? But he didn't believe. Mary did. And so Elizabeth says to Mary, Blessed are you, because you believed the message of the angel. By the way, another little tidbit here for you. When John the Baptist was born, there was a conversation about naming the baby. And Zacharias can't speak, right? He's dumb. Not dumb here, dumb here. He can't speak. And so they address Elizabeth, want to know what the name of the child is going to be. Well, they were told what to name the child, right? So she says, his name is going to be John. And all the people said, well, there's nobody in your family named John. Why are you going to name him John? And so they turned to Zacharias, who can't speak. And the Scripture says they signed to him, asking him about the baby's name. So if they signed to him, what does that imply? Couldn't hear. Not that he couldn't speak. You don't make signs to somebody that can't speak. You make signs to someone who can't hear. And so I'm reading that text and I'm going, so does that mean that Zacharias has been deaf and dumb for nine months? I think so. I think so. But here's Mary, blessed, because she believed what the angel told her. That's a big order. Again, not knowing the future, not knowing what's coming, not knowing what lies ahead. She believed what the angel told her was true. It's not going to be an easy journey. And so the third thing that impresses me then, after her experience with the angel and now her encounter with her cousin Elizabeth, the third thing that impresses me is her exaltation of the Lord in song as she sings this this beautiful song. What's, <clears throat> what's her attitude that's expressed in the words of this song? You know, if it was me and some guy showed up on my front porch in a dark suit and sunglasses and told me that I, I was the chosen one to represent on a special mission for President Biden, I would be impressed with... Thank you, myself. Me? You've chosen me? Out of all the people in the country, you've chosen me? How many people are there in this country? 300, mil- you, 300 million people and you chose moi? Spent three days in France, that's it. Who's Mary impressed with in her song? Impressed with the Lord. She's impressed with the Savior. And uh, that just speaks volumes to me as I read this text. Um, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. He has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. From this time on, generations will call me blessed. Yes. Why? For the mighty one has done great things. His holy is his name. Uh, He's done mighty deeds with his arm. And, And she goes on and on and on. 
she wasn't impressed with Mary. She was impressed with the Lord. Humble, submissive, obedient spirit. Mary models that for me. The attitude I should have, the posture I should take. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes. That's Mary. That's her spirit. That's her attitude. If Mary were to be told that she was one of the most powerful women in the world, like I said, she would not only be embarrassed, I think she'd be angry. And I don't know about you, but when this life is over, and you come to the time of eulogy, who is it you'd like to have remembered and honored in your eulogy? I'll tell you what Mary's spirit would be. I remember, it's been several years ago, and I've probably shared this story before. It made such an impact in my life. I was involved in street evangelism, street preaching for several years. And on Friday nights, we were setting up outside a movie theater up in Covina. And uh, we would do some games and try to draw a crowd and get people to gather. And, of course, there's a long line of people paying to get into the movie theater, so we had kind of a captive audience. And uh, I remember well one Friday night being there and after I stood on the box and and preached for a little bit, came down and was talking to people that were gathered around and I spoke to one, one woman and I was speaking to her about Jesus. I was speaking to her about Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus' payment for sin, forgiveness of sin and having this conversation with her about Jesus. And she said to me words I'll never forget. She said, Jesus is not enough. And then she started talking to me about Mary. How important Mary was. Mary, the Redeemer. Mary, the Savior. The importance of Mary. And again, if Mary were standing listening to that conversation, I think she would be upset. Did you notice, by the way, one of the words that Mary used in her song? Oh, my. In verse 42, she says, My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So, Mary understood she needed a Savior, right? Mary understood. Mary needed a Savior, too. Mary was impressed with the Lord, not with herself. And so, Mary is not worthy of worship, veneration. She's not one of the most powerful women in the world, but she is worthy of our respect, our admiration. Perhaps more importantly this morning, she's worthy of our copying the qualities we see in her that we admire. The model of humble, submission, and obedience to the will of God. 
Mary said, yes, Lord, yes, not knowing what was coming. I don't know how that speaks into your life this morning, but I find myself drawn afresh to tell the Lord anew. I'm still in, Lord. I'm still in. Yes, Lord, yes. Whatever it is, wherever it is, whoever it is, I'm in. Is that where you are this morning? If you want to be like Mary, that's where she was. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. Yes, Lord, yes. Pastor Tim mentioned earlier the opportunity next Sunday to give a gift in support of our new Spanish ministry. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning that Christmas for most of us, many of us, is all about getting gifts. I don't know about you, but I'd rather get than give. I just, you know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? Roy says, I like receiving. But I'd like you to think about that special gift next Sunday as not necessarily, yes, it's a gift for our new Spanish ministry and to help us launch that. But would you think of that as a gift to Jesus? That you're giving a gift to Jesus this year? And then I'd like to suggest that a greater gift to Jesus this year would be to agree with Mary. May it be done unto me according to your will, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes. I'm in. With my whole heart, I agree. Is that your heart? Is that your spirit this morning? That was Mary's heart. I want it to be my heart. I want it to be your heart as well. Lord, thank you for the model of Mary. I thank you for her example. I need models of humble obedience in my life. There's plenty of models of powerful men and women. There's plenty of models of get it done, movers and shakers. Lots of those, Lord. There's not not a lot of models of what it means to be a humble, obedient servant. And so I thank you this morning for Mary. Thank you for her example, for her model. I want to be just a little bit more like Mary. Help that to be true in my life today. And I pray that you would open each of our hearts this morning to be receptive to that spirit. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Make that our our heart's desire, Lord, is, is my prayer. As we ask in Jesus' name, amen.